Curtin Cade Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. Maybe it's you, or maybe someone you know. Grieving the loss of a child to stillbirth or, or miscarriage can be a lonely and agonizing experience. But you know what? This, this loss is it's far more common than we may think, affecting around 1 in 160 births. Jackie Gibson is a follower of Jesus. And she has walked through the fire, and she has found the Lord to be faithful, and she put together a book that we ran across, and we're like, oh my goodness, we need to talk to her. This book is dynamite. It is. It's You Are Still a Mother, Hope for Women Grieving a Stillbirth or Miscarriage. She was just so real. Take a listen to our conversation. Hi, Jackie. Good morning. Welcome. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. This is a topic that we have felt very strongly about, and we had discussed doing something on this uh, for, well, we've been talking about it for quite some time, but we wanted to make sure that we had the right guest on with us and, and we had the right resource. And uh, and by God's divine design, honestly, I, I really believe that God puts the right books in our hands at the right time. And so we ran across your book, and I'm like, we got to have Jackie with us. You are still a mother. Hope for women grieving a stillbirth or a miscarriage. Why don't we begin with your story? I think that's vitally important. Sure. So as I I mentioned earlier, we lived in England before we moved here to the States. And my husband, Johnny, and I had a son, Ben, who was about three. And we were expecting our second child. We were so excited, having had to wait a little bit for that uh, gift of another child. And the pregnancy had progressed very normally, just like the first. The scans showed a healthy baby. So we were like most other expectant parents at the end of the pregnancy, preparing to welcome a baby into our family and, and bring them home. We didn't know if it was a boy or a girl at the time. It ended up being a daughter. So we had washed baby clothes. We'd organized the crib, bought diapers and wipes, all the things parents normally do, packed the hospital bag. But about four days before my due date, I got anxious that the movements had slowed. So I phoned the hospital and spoke to a midwife who encouraged me to stay home, drink something cold and lie on my side and count kicks. And I did that and I did feel movements. So when I reported back to the hospital the amount of movements I'd felt, she assured me it sounded great, there was nothing to worry about and it was probably just end of pregnancy jitters. But the next morning I woke feeling uh, no movement at all. So my husband Johnny and I drove into hospital and very shockingly they confirmed that there was no heartbeat that our baby had died just a few days before her due date, and then she was born a few days later. She was stillborn. Mm. So it was a daughter, and her name was Layla, uh, and our lives were changed forever. Mm. And that time, that time between you found out and then you delivered, that must be excruciating. Yeah, I think that's the right word for it. They were terribly dark days uh, of despair, and we were in complete and utter shock. 
and I was terrified at the prospect of having to go in and give birth to mm-hmm. a baby who was no longer living. So, yes, they were the darkest days of my life up up to this point. This was about seven and a half years ago in 2016. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting in your book. I always read, I'm one of those crazy guys that reads the dedication page <laughs> and uh, at the very beginning. And uh, your dedication for this book is for Sarah, who knows the weight of Layla in her arms and can remember with me that she was indeed beautiful. Tell mm-hmm. us about Sarah. Oh, I'm so glad you asked because I love to talk about this very precious friend. So we were living far from our own families. Unfortunately, at the time, we would have loved them to be near, but this sweet friend and sister in Christ, Sarah, was like our family, and she looked after our son, Ben, when we had to go into hospital, and she was one of the very, one of two people who got to come into hospital and also hold and meet our daughter, Layla. So to have a friend to this day who I can talk to who has an actual memory of my daughter is a very precious gift. So she was a huge blessing at the time. Okay, so as you were walking through this, you and your husband, followers of Jesus, I mean, Jesus was very clear. In this world, we will have tribulation. We will deal with trouble. And anybody who reads their Bible knows that uh, that's, that's the case. We don't get a pass. And sometimes it can be worse, by the way. Uh, when you follow the Lord. But the beautiful thing about it is there's no more joyful way to live, no more uh, satisfying, beautiful life to live than following Jesus. And we never go through anything alone. And we might be speaking to someone here today who hasn't dealt with a miscarriage or a stillbirth or something like that, but there's something that's eaten at them as we head into a brand new year, and they're afraid of this year. And, and you know, well, what if this happens? The what if game, you can never win that game. Mm-hmm. What if this? What if that? And so they're dealing with with some type of, of fear. And what would you want to say to that person who is thinking, well, I wonder what God is going to allow in my life. Maybe he's going to, well, fill in the blank with your imagination. We can we can head in that direction, but I'm just thinking maybe there might be somebody listening this morning who is thinking along those lines. What would you want to tell them? Yes, they are very scary questions, and suffering is a scary prospect. And as you said, as Christians, we, we, can, we know that life can be hard and full of tribulation and and those questions can make us feel very lonely and suffering can make us feel very lonely but I would say there is only one person who can fully understand those fears and the sorrows in your heart and that is our Emmanuel God with us the word became flesh who took on the suffering of this world whom in Isaiah or Isaiah as you say bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus, the man of sorrows. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. Let's go to the phones. We've got uh, Nicole, who's joining us this morning from Lakeland. Hey, Nicole, welcome to the conversation. How are you? Hi, good morning. God bless you. I'm very well, thank you. Great. Um, yeah, I just, honestly, I just wanted to call in and just say thank you for sharing. Um, 
I I am a um, a faith based birth and postpartum doula, and um, I myself had had a miscarriage, and you know about a year before I had my miscarriage, the Lord showed me. Um, that I would have one, you know, and I wasn't even married at the time. And I just, you know, cried and I was like, why, <laughs> why would you do it? Like, why? And he was like, well, it's, it's to share your story for mothers. And it was in, in the midst of, you know, getting my certifications and stuff. And it was so clear. And, you know, cause I have two kids before, before that. And, you know, and, and thankfully I have, um, another son who I had eight months ago, but that, that experience itself was so traumatic. Um, but after, you know, the midst of the morning and the grief, um, I knew, I knew that it was, it was so that I would be able to, you know, working with women, I would be able to relate and, and just hearing your story this morning. Um, and, and I mean, it brought tears to my eyes. It's, it's, what you went through wasn't in vain and I can only imagine how many women it's going to touch. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you and God bless you. And I would, I'm looking forward to reading your book. If I don't get blessed with one, then I will purchase it myself. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Nicole. First of all, I'm so sorry for your loss and what, a gift you will be to so many women in your in your job, as you said, to comfort them with the comfort you received. So that's really encouraging. Thanks, Thanks for Nicole. sharing. Yes, blessings to you, Nicole. Thank you very much for calling. Wow, that's awesome. Well, you know, um, I guess we get to a point, Jackie, where we're like, you know, we, we tend to think that we never – how do I put this? Maybe we feel guilty when we face a situation like you faced – and it's like, I should have more faith than I do. Maybe I'm really mad at God. Maybe I want to rebel against God. And I, I've got this range of emotions in the midst of this very trying situation. And it is easier to talk about it if you're not in the situation itself. But actually being in that situation when you, you lost your daughter and she went to be with the Lord, and I believe she's with the Lord right now as we're, as we're talking. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with those emotions when everything is turned upside down? Even your core convictions can be shaken. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think when something like this happens, all of a sudden you are challenged to ask, is the gospel true? Is everything I've been believing up to this point still true, even when terrible hard things sometimes happen and there's a beautiful quote from a missionary from many years ago in the early 1900s her name was Lilius Trotter and she was in a part of Africa going through a very hard time in her ministry and she wrote these words in her journal believe in the darkness what you have seen in the light oh yeah and I think that's a wonderful thing for us to hold on to as well when we're in the valley and when we can't see the goodness of God obviously around us to keep believing in the darkness what we have seen in the light that God is good he's always good even when we can't understand it 
that he's faithful and as we talked about earlier that the Lord Jesus our man of sorrows is with us in the valley those things are comforting that we've got to fight for them because as you said it's hard to keep believing but it doesn't change the truth of what the Bible tells us well that's good you know the inverse is also true um, don't forget in the light what God taught you in the darkness yes Mm-hmm. Wow. It's, you know, and that's part of it, too. It's like, okay, now that I have been through this and he's brought me through, I need to, even if it wasn't the end result that I've been hoping for, I trust that he knows what's best. And we get back on that, uh, that theological concept that it's so much more than that. I mean, it's doctrine. I always hate to use that word, but I'm <laughs> going to use it anyway because, honestly, uh, it's, it's, we really need to know. Theology is, you know, the study of God. We know that's true. But why do you believe what you say you believe? What is your doctrine? What are your core convictions? We need to have – we need to make a decision – uh, you know, where we stand before we head into a storm like this, because it is truly the anchor for our soul. And the doctrine I'm thinking of is, well, a couple of things. First of all, number one, God is good no matter what. Number two, his sovereignty over everything in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why Psalm 139 was really important to me after Layla died, just in talking about God's sovereignty. I did go through a period of time where I thought, have I caused my daughter's death? Is there something I could have done to change the outcome? But Psalm 139 assured me that Layla's days were written in God's book before she came into being, that her days were numbered, that God called her home at just the right time, though that was, of course, hard for me to accept. So to believe in God, in God's sovereignty gave me peace that I could trust him with my daughter's days. In the the following days, of course, there's the shock of everything yeah, when it's new and it's fresh and you're feeling somewhat numb, I would imagine, mm-hmm. and you're reeling from all of this, you and your husband. Um, so as the days progressed, did things get worse for you uh, over a period of maybe a few weeks after uh, Layla went home to be with the Lord. I would say they they did get worse when you come home from hospital without your baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a terrible thing. You, you're prepared for them. You never imagine that's even a possibility. So you come home to all of the reminders that you were meant to be bringing home a living baby, and then life just sort of moves forward, and you're not quite sure how to go back to normal. Our family grew a member, but we didn't get to bring her home. So from the outside, we just look like a family of three still, but we had a daughter and she's not here. So I don't want to downplay that those weeks coming home from the hospital empty-handed are really terrible and sad. Um, As I said, God was always with us in the darkness and his everlasting arms were always underneath us. But but it definitely got worse before it, it got better. They were hard weeks and months yeah. coming I, home without your baby. Can I ask quickly, as a friend, I was thinking of you coming home and you said you had set up the, the room, the baby's mm-hmm. room and stuff. As a friend, would it be the kind thing to help you take that down? Or did you find it healing to to deconstruct that room 
That's a good question. I think as a friend, it's important just to take the cues from the parents who are grieving to be ready to help if if that's what they want. I think initially I wanted to get rid of everything um, in my sort of shocked and panicked state. My husband was helpful in telling me, let's take a breath and let's not rush these things. Yeah. Um, some things it was important to get rid of straight away, like the little Moses basket that was beside our bed. Uh, we we got rid of that pretty quickly. That was just too hard to look at. Uh, but a friend who was willing to be there is such an encouragement and to help. I think it's just going to be different for each parent. Okay. Yeah. The loss of a child, obviously, is... It's so, it's, if you haven't been through it, you can only imagine how difficult it actually is. But we hear often about uh, couples when there's a loss of a child, whatever situation it is, it can be kind of hard on the marriage. Did you guys find that to be true in your case? Yeah, I think any strain in life can be difficult within the marriage. And Johnny and I, we entered the valley together, but our journey in the valley was our journeys were different and and so that's important to keep in mind that you are going to both grieve differently you're going to find some things harder than the the other spouse and so I think in the early raw days we we did feel that a little bit but as time went on just to give each other space to grieve in our own unique ways was really important and thankfully, the Lord sustained and strengthened our marriage actually through this. So that that can be a hard thing, I think, to be to give your spouse the space to grieve. Maybe at times when you don't feel sad, yeah. but to to welcome their tears at that moment is really important. That's good. Knowing that your journey will be different. Yes. Well, we've learned a lot, Jackie. Uh, thank you for being so uh, so transparent and sharing your story with us, and of course, sharing it in the book as well. I know that that it's going to really help a lot of ladies and, and guys as well. You know, men and women who you know, husbands and wives going through something like this. So, thanks, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Curtain Kate Mornings podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.